The Lance Wall Now Show is coming at you live from the master himself, with a special broadcast taken from one of Lance's most recent appearances. Tune in and get ready for some major revelation. At one time I was with Kim Clement, it was hilarious. I was with him in Detroit, Michigan. Anybody ever, ever, ever hear of Kim Clement? Years ago, what a great prophet. At one time I was standing with him, and he says, and the Lord would say, and he puts his hand on his head and my head, and he starts prophesying over both of us. And it was hilarious. I said, I didn't know prophets could do that. I thought another prophet has to prophesy. You can just prophesy over yourself. I talked to an apostle once. This guy, he said, you know what? He said, uh, he went through this sick battle. He said, and he came out on top. I said, you came out and recovered very fast. He said, yeah, I got a word from a prophet that uh, told me I was going to recover quickly and my work wasn't done. I go, wow, that's amazing. Who was it? He goes, it was me. <laughs> if I hadn't asked him to this day, I'd be wondering who that prophet is. So you have the authority to speak over yourself certain things. You understand what I'm talking about? You can authorize things with your own mouth. By the way, you can also authorize things you never want to have authorized. You could say things you should never say. Because, now one time I'll tell you what happened to me. I had this experience. And uh, I, I, had a, I had this, uh, I was doing, there was a movie. And I was supposed to do part of a movie. I didn't know I was going to be in the movie. But it was in Moravian Falls up at Rick Joyner's church. And we got, it was a retreat. And I was kvetching. I was complaining because I didn't know that that weekend I had to go fly to Moravian Falls. And it's way out of the way. I got to fly all the way up to Charlotte. And then Charlotte got to drive two hours to Moravian Falls. Anyway, I, 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 my staff said, you committed to going up. There's a retreat with 100 people. I said, for 100 people, what's the matter with me? 100 people, I'm flying, I'm schlepping all the way over the country. And I had a friend of mine who was from Great Britain, who's a really great guy. He works on, he designed, he designed the rocket systems for the Air Force there for their strategic defense. But he's actually an intercessor. And a very meek guy. It's kind of a dangerous, interesting combination of meek and sweet. And uh, he puts together weapons that destroy things. Anyway, that's the kind of person you want as an intercessor. They put together weapons that destroy the devil, but they're nice people. So he came over to me and said, I'm sorry, Nick. I didn't know I have to go to Moravian Falls. I said, I really don't even want to go to Moravian Falls, but I'm going to go because I had a commitment. I've got to be careful what I commit myself to. He says, well, really, Lance, it's okay. Go ahead. I'll stay back. I'll just pray for you. So he's in my house praying. I take off. He's in my house now. Imagine this. This is a guy who's a rocket scientist. He designs missile defense systems. So he's not, he's not a flaky guy. But he sees in the spirit. He sees things I don't see. He calls me up. He says, Lance, I was walking around the house and I walked into your office and I saw a group of angels in your office. And they were standing there just talking to each other. And I looked at them and I said, what are you doing here? Lance is in Moravian Falls. You need to go be there and assist him. And they looked at me and they looked at each other and they shot right out the window. He said, I don't know what you're going through, but I think it's going to start working out now. And I was having a miserable time up there, and all of a sudden I got a breakthrough. And the Lord said to me, that was your fault. I said, why? I was asking him, why were those angels back in my office and not with me? And the Lord said, because you bound them with your utterance. You were kvetching and complaining about the commitment. You made the commitment because I wanted you to make it. And then you reflected on it and regretted you made it. And then you started cursing the very thing that you decided to do. And you bound your own ministering angels because of your attitude. So they weren't authorized to go until you, until you changed your attitude. That's a wild sermon right there, I'm telling you. One of my sons, I love my sons, and I was getting mad at him because he's being rebellious. And... Uh, is working for me. 
But I mean, you know, he, everything I did, he went the opposite. You know, young men go through those phases in life where it's like he doesn't want to be like me. So he's doing the, uh, but you can't have that when you're on a ministry and you've got a media company. And I, I'd be doing an interview and he'd say the exact opposite of me right there on the live television. I'm trying to get a, I'm trying to get a job for the kid. You know, I don't believe that. And he's like, you know, oh my God, I got a Christian audience. I got, he's acting like a heathen. He wants to discuss how come marijuana isn't legalized. What's the matter with you? He just picked subjects to, just to debate with me. So I was, I was in the car and I was saying, you know something? It might be that I'm just like a lot of other parents that we, you know, we raise a woke generation because we don't let them experience the consequences of their choices. We're trying to rescue them too often and we're trying to blah, blah, blah. And, and, and also I got amens going on. It sounds like a good story, right? So then my business partner says to me, why don't we pray for him? I mean... You're absolutely right, what you're saying. However, it seems to me like you're cursing your own DNA right now because it's not doing what you want it to do. And rather than being angry with it, let's call forth the calling that is on his life. And I got convicted. I said to myself, well, you know, I'm, I'm realizing I had angels in my office that Nick saw that weren't with me in this shoot, the TV thing, a movie I had to do. And I was binding my own angels by my utterance, by my attitude, by my lousy attitude. And I'm probably, I'm probably authorizing more strife with my relationship with him because I'm cursing rather than blessing. The Bible does say bless and curse not. So I started praying. Thanking God for my son. Thanking that we have the opportunity to work together. Thanking God that I still have access to shape his life and he's still open to my influence. And repenting that I haven't been able to more effectively steward that. And calling forth the anointing, calling forth the grace. And then I watched a transformation happen in him. There's an interesting point that I'm getting at. There's several points, actually, in that one illustration. There's Proverbs. I can show them to you. This is coming to me right now. This is how I teach. By the way, I'm Jewish on my father's side of my family. I'm a rabbi. I'm, I'm basically giving you a rabbinical discussion right now. We're having a philosophical discussion based on the Bible and real life experiences. And, and uh, the verse is coming to me. <laughs> it's a curious juxtaposition of these verses in Proverbs. One verse says, Answer not a fool according to his folly lest you be like unto him. Then right after that it says, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he should be wise in his own conceits. Will you make up your mind? This is Solomon the wise. This is, this is the wisest man that ever lived. He says, don't answer a fool when an idiot's talking to you, lest you become like him and you both end up sounding like morons. Answer the fool when he's acting like a fool, lest he walks away thinking he's so smart. Which one of it is it? Huh? It's both. Uh-huh. You got a church over here in America right now? Well, I just think we're supposed to be more loving, more kind, more inclusive. That's how come I don't judge anybody. Jesus, I live all judgments on Jesus. Jesus loves people. He's, he's loved me. I'm just here to love people. All right. How far do you go with that? Do you let the pedophile in the nursery? Oh, no, we draw the line somewhere. Oh, okay, I just want to make sure. You got some boundaries, right? Then the other people, I don't put up with anything. You know, I, I had this, um, this one friend of mine. He, he, he's good for these proverbs. 
He says, uh, he says, all my, he's in ministry. I look back on my life. He says, you know what my biggest regrets? The times I was a father when I should have been a general. And the times I was a general when I should have been a father. See, there's times you draw the sword when you should have, you should have really been the physician. And there's times you're trying to be a, a therapist when you really should have drawn the sword. I wanted to take a minute to talk about one of my great heroes of the faith, which is Mike Lindell. What's really cool about Mike is it's not just the pillow. It's the fact that the guy makes really cool products. For instance, I start my day off with a my coffee. I had a cup of coffee uh, the other day here in the office, and I said, no, I want that. It wasn't like Starbucks. It tastes better. And it was Mike's coffee. I said, what is it? They go, Mike Lindell's coffee. I said, my gosh, get a bunch of my coffees. Now, the best way to start the day is you put on these slippers, right? and have your my coffee. If you've not worked with these slippers yet, I'm not kidding you. There's a special kind of a design that Mike has uh, put into these with four layers of cushion with a solid sole and a fur interior. I call it my sip and slip strategy. I start my day off by slipping on my slippers and having a sip of Mike's coffee. But you know what else I'm curious about now? Because I've got to check out the 2.0 pillow. The 2.0 pillow actually is designed so that it distributes the heat of your own head, your face, you know, you're lying there, and it, it uh, makes it so the pillow's always cool. Now, I like that, because I wake up in the middle of the night and have to flip over my pillow because it gets hot. Mike's solved that problem. I want you to go to mypillow.com, promo code Lance, because you can get a discount that I've set up for the pillows, for the coffee, and uh, for the slippers. And do it today, you'll be happy. That's why the proverb is back to back. Because the Bible says wisdom is profitable to direct. A good strategy is you start with love and you dung around the tree. But you look for the evidence of change. And if what you're doing isn't working, you change your strategy. The church in America has adopted a lover's profile. We don't get involved with secular things, the worldly things, worldly concerns. Ugh, who wants to get involved with the business, the backroom deals, the filthy politics? So what do we do? We leave it to unregenerate heathen to run everything, and then we complain about the decisions they make. <laughs> School systems, drag queen hours, pornography in the classroom. Well, let's face it. It wasn't until COVID hit and parents started paying attention to what their kids were getting taught because they're, they're hearing the classroom on Zoom and they're going, what the heck is this? That was when parents suddenly realized what their children were getting exposed to. You could say that the one benefit that came out of COVID, if nothing else, is it alerted the families as to what the education systems were doing their kids because it's still an epidemic. As bad as COVID was, the LGBTQ virus that's getting after your children right now, unrestricted, at least you're aware now something's going on. So you dung around the tree with love and mercy and forgiveness. But I'm going to tell you something. If my son was still the way that he was after I began changing the way that I was praying and relating to him, 
I would be driven back to the point where I would have to be. Rather than try to be his buddy and his friend, I'd have to really be his father and confront him and maybe risk alienating the relationship, but I would draw a line for his sake down the road. But thank God I didn't have to go there. My point is we have weapons on the left hand and on the right hand. We have to use them both. There's a time when you have to rebuke. There's a time when you have to be silent. It's funny how that there's a time for everything, a time to speak, a time to refrain from speaking, a time to embrace, a time to refrain from embrace. You understand the wisdom of God is knowing what to do when the situation is there and what you do with one situation, you may not do with another. But now here you are, Colorado Springs. The thing that I've said in every meeting I've had so far is that Mario Morello and I are coming here. And of course, I saw a picture of this place packed out, 1,500 people. Everybody loves evangelism, signs, wonders, miracles. He told me about the youth that he anointed that went out and prayed for people. I think there's something great that's happening, but it's bigger than just a couple of great meetings in your church, although that's always exciting. America is in a critical situation. It's like going into the ICU right now. And you want to pray differently. You don't want to pray a casual prayer when you, have, when you have life and death in the balance. America really needs a divine intervention. I'm of the opinion that God desires to do it in Colorado Springs. I'm of that opinion. And, I, and, and I'm of the opinion because it wasn't my original choice. I'm looking with Mario. I'm saying we've got, we got 3,143 counties in the United States. 17 of those counties are going to determine the future of America. Of those 17, we're mostly located within seven swing states. Seven swing states because I don't care what part of the plane you're on, whether you're in the charismatic Pentecostal, Methodist, this, that, evangelical, you're in the, you're in the cabin flying. I'm worried about who's in the cockpit. You got your theology, I got mine. You're listening to your words, I got my words. If Al-Qaeda just went through the aisle and broke in and got into the cockpit, that's not good news. So I'm paying attention to government. Because government now is where power is beginning to coalesce. You understand all the attack that you're hearing, whether you're paying attention or not, is on the Supreme Court right now. Because the left is delirious that they can't, if they, see, if they can't take control of your government to legislate it, then they go to courts to litigate it. And they'll make a judge impose on you what the legislator won't do. And then if they, if they can do it possibly, they'll make the legislation impose on you what the judge doesn't do. They'll make the judge impose what the legislator won't do. Either way, they're out to control your life. It's the nature of the devil and the nature of Marxism. It has to control you for your own sake to create the utopia that's possible. Understand that everyone out there who's obsessed with a messianic zeal to change the world politically on the other side of the aisle. It's just because they didn't get saved. They have a desire to see the kingdom of God come. They don't know God. They don't believe in God. So salvation is saving the planet. Salvation is saving the transgender. And they treat that subject with all the passionate zeal of a martyr because they're deceived with the yearning in their heart to bring the kingdom of God, but they don't know the king or the kingdom, so there's a counterfeit. And it could be when we get to heaven, we're going to find out that the 20% of our youth, I'm talking about the Gen Zs, that are citizens, you got 2 or 3% historically of the culture will go LGBTQ, whatever. 
20% of your, your, your youth that are, that are uh, Gen Z are moving. It's an evangelism movement in that direction happening. It's an ubiquitous movement. It's in the schools. It's in social media. It's in the movies. It's in the music. It's in the cultural peer pressure. And I got to ask myself, why, is the, why are the youth being targeted this way? And I suspect it's because they were really built for an aggressive messianic move of Jesus that never got to them, so a counterfeit is infecting them. Think about it. It's just a theory. So Jesus, when he goes to Jerusalem, what does he say he wants to ride? Because it's all, it's all prophetic, really. I think it's hope, it's, I have hope in this. When he goes into Jerusalem... It's kind of like the Jesus Revolution movie. If you've seen the movie, it's a great movie about what happened out there in California. You've got Lou Engel around that wheel. Mario Murillo's a byproduct of it. Keith Green. We all, we actually, those of us, we're all part of the Jesus movement. I got saved in the Jesus movement. It was a young people's movement. And the church had to adjust to it when it showed up. But the prophecy that is coming to me right now is Jesus is going to Jerusalem. And when he goes in, he says, go untie a cult. Imagine how, what, what kind of chutzpah this is. If, you, if I've got you on my ministry team and I say, all right, we're going to go into town here. There's a, and I know there's a prophecy that says I'm going to be riding in a Toyota Camry when I get there. And I go, I had a vision. Down there by the pub, there's a Toyota Camry. The door isn't locked. Go grab the Camry and bring it over here. And if anyone stops you and says, oh, hey, what are you doing? Just say, hey, the rabbi needs it. He's coming into town. I'll give it right back to you. Weird request. The disciples go, all right, they go into town looking for a cult next to a donkey, a cult that has never yet been ridden. They untie it and are walking off with it. And while they're walking off with it, the owner comes out and goes, hey, what are you doing? They go, oh, the master has need of him. It's almost like a Jedi mind trip. The master has need of him. And when he re- then he's done, he will return him back to you. <laughs> okay, the master has need of him. He goes back in. They bring the donkey. They bring the colt. Jesus gets on the colt. He gets on, understand, he rides upon the colt, the foal of an ass, meaning it's the young generation that has never yet experienced the move of God. While the devil is moving on this generation, God's about to go seize that generation. But I hate to say it, if the church had had a move that was attractive to them, we could have preempted this whole thing and had our Holy Ghost vaccine out there. So when the LGBTQ transgender movement grabbed them, they would have already been preemptively vaccinated. It's like when I was doing my Seven Mountain things, I remember I'm in Toronto with Randy Clark, I'm with Heidi Baker, I'm with Bill Johnson, and I loved everything that's going on, everything that's happened from Reading to the revival. And I would always say, the Lord is telling me, Seven Mountains, pay attention. If we don't take that media mountain, it's going to be occupied against us. If we don't take academia, it's going to be occupied against us. If we don't take the political, they're going to take over the government. And I'm talking seven mounds. I'm, I'm like an oddball. I'm talking a whole other subject while everyone else is in revival, laying on their hands, falling down, and prophecy all over the place, great transfer of wealth, church growth, stadiums are going to be filled, move of God. And I'm going, not so fast, Hashimoto. If we don't take those gates... If we don't take those gates, then everything we're talking about 
can be lost because the gates of hell are going to mobilize against us. And we'll be in a defense position rather than offense. Right now it's easy. But what's coming is going to challenge us. And you know, you know, and this is just the way it is. So I, was, I was a duck out of water. And I'm preaching about what we're doing right now. This move of God is about recovering the ground that's been lost. It's about recovering the ground that's been lost. It's about reintroducing, and churches like this, and people like you, I look for, in Colorado Springs specifically, this is a place that once was the stronghold of righteousness in America that got radically taken over by the left because they knew better about how to, how to transform culture than the church did. And so the place that had focus on the family dominantly over here and Cindy Jacobs and Chuck Pearson, Dutch Sheets and, um, and Peter Wagner and, and you know, Million Homes for Christ. I used to come out, I used to fly out here during the heyday of what was going on here, bring a big prayer center over there, a big prayer tower. And it was like, there was a, there was, it looked to me like this was, this was ground zero for what God could do. And then suddenly I watched every single political office get wiped out. I watched Ted Haggard flip out. I watched the ministries begin to move out. And I said, what happened there? And then I got involved with the political mountain, the government mountain. They said, well, Colorado flipped. What do you mean Colorado flipped? Well, Soros found out how they did it and started funding the flip all over the United States. It happens through 501c3s. What you have, is, have to have is a network of activists sort of work together. You have to have money, which will come from your big crazy donor class with their own bizarre, like I said, a messianic uh, perversion about what utopia looks like. Everybody's got to become gay. Everybody's got to become an environmentalist. Everybody's got to eat insects, whatever it is. <laughs> and they'll pay the activists to go put the message out. But to get the message out, as I showed in an earlier message... You have to do it. There's seven verticals that the enemy will go to. He'll go to the church to neutralize the church. Then he'll go to the family in order to confuse what marriage looks like, what a family looks like. Family of one man, two women, two women, one man, man, a man, woman, a woman, it doesn't matter. Man who thinks he's a woman, woman who thinks he's a man, married together. Education, put it into the school system. Government, legislate it or litigate it. That's why it's powerful. Government has two things, law and legislation. That's the one you keep an eye on. And then you got the media, which is all deception. And then you got business over here, big bucks that's funding the transformation of the whole community. Before you know it, Colorado Springs is like gone from being the Holy Ghost, you know, capital, the Mecca for a prophetic model, to becoming a warning and a proverb about what can happen to America. And America's gotten taken over since then, and the church still hasn't figured it out because it's enamored with having an outpouring and a revival, which never puts any responsibility on them other than to fast and pray and prophesy that God's going to come. So with this, with this model in place, we have to ask ourselves, well, what are we called to do? And the thing that I'm saying is, well, the church model was never meant to be separated. What we've done is we separated church and state. Well, the government told us that, and the Democrats told us that, and the Republicans are happy to have it that way. I'll never forget when Donald Trump, I was with him. I wouldn't even want to get involved with politics. I got called into politics. Here's the thing about this. You don't have a choice on where you go. You go where you're called, like a missionary. And when God called me into the seven mountains, I said, I like teaching. Then the Lord said, you're going to go into the government mountain and the media mountain. You're going to actually start invading from the inside out. I said, oh boy, I know nothing about any of that. The Lord said, it doesn't matter. I said, I don't know what I'm doing. You know what the Lord told me? It's not important that you know what you're doing. It's important that you act like you know what you're doing. 
act like you're doing something. I said, okay. So I act like I know what I'm doing. So I go into a meeting with Donald Trump, and I'll never forget, he's at the Marriott Hotel. He has very little approval ratings from Christians. 90% of Christians don't like him. You know why? He's been married three times, and Paula White's been married two times. Between the two of them, they've been married five times. This is totally odious to every Baptist. So here he is, you know, you got Mike Huckabee. He's a Christian. You got Ted Cruz, he's a Christian. Marco Rubio, nice Catholic. And so every, everybody's got some religious re- religion as, as oh, Ben Carson, Christian. Donald Trump, heathen. <laughs> right away I got suspicious. I said, if I know anything about God, he's gonna pick the most unlikely entrance to come through the door. So Donald Trump gets up there and he says, You know, the Johnson Amendment silences all of you, preachers out there. He says, so you can't say anything. He said, on the left, they can say whatever they want, but you're muzzled. I think we need to repeal that Johnson Amendment so that the pulpits are free to be able to speak and not have to worry about what happens. And this response was exactly what he was looking for. And what he heard was... Years ago, if you remember laughing, there was like one lone person applauding in the audience. That's how the show ended, with one person who liked the show. And it was a comic statement that, you know, whatever it is, laughing is what it is, whether you like it or not. And Trump looked. There was not a single applause. It was crickets. And he made a little note. He went on to talk about they're coming to take your guns. Oh, we don't want to have the guns taken away. Oh, that's right. We're not going to let that happen. Yeah, okay, good. They like about guns, don't want to talk about their... I realized something. Most churches like the separation of the church from government, church from gay commentary, church from debt, church from Black Lives Matter. They don't want to talk about anything. And they use the 501c3 law as, a, as an excuse for their silence. They didn't applaud because most preachers like not to have to deal with controversial issues because that way they can focus on the word of God and on the kingdom. I did an interesting study once. What was preached in the Civil War? What was preached leading up to the Civil War? What was preached during the Civil War? You know what I found out? In the South, Christians, they had to justify what they were doing. And you come under a principality when you're in a territory. You got this weird principality over Colorado Springs that needs to go. And when you're under that principality, you say what it wants you to say. And so in the South, here's what they talked about. They didn't talk about the virtues of slavery, obviously. It was an odious practice. What they talked about was states' rights. And the fact that the North was trying to impose upon them, like King George did with our original colonies, the will and the tyranny of a government that's going to tell you what you can do and not do. We're not letting the North tell us what we can do and what we can't do. It's unfortunate slavery is the issue. That's what they say. It's really bigger than that. It's about our right to be our own state and not have to bow our knee to Lincoln and the tyranny of that dictatorship. Yeah. They preached about the sovereignty of the state. They didn't talk about slavery. They changed the issue. In the North, oh, they knew they had something that really increased enlistment. 
It was slavery. It was the sin of slavery. It was the judgment that was coming on America because of slavery. It was the inexcusable practice of the slavery. And they, thine eyes have seen the glory of, and they were marching on. They infused great awakening with the liberation of the slaves, and it was going to become a new republic with a new birth of freedom. They made it an ideological crusade, so people were fighting for something more than dominating the South and bringing them back in. Okay, I get that. Here's the one you want to watch. What did the border state Christians preach? Because they got a real problem. If you're like in Maryland or you're in Delaware or you're like in part of Kentucky, uh, you actually have North and South both kind of in your state and you're a border state. You're kind of like, you're, you're in a weird zone. Guess what they preached? We are not called to get involved with divisive politics. The kingdom of God isn't calling us to be politically engaged and losing people. We're called to bring people to Jesus and preach the kingdom of God. Let them preach and do what they do. We will preach the kingdom. In other words, they copped out of the great crises of their day by hiding behind the religious idea that they were superior to controversy by never talking about controversial subjects. And then I realized, because of the ubiquitous nature of progressive Marxism and all these mountains and churches and Christians, even in the South and in Texas, that every state is a border state and every pulpit is a border pulpit. Hence the temptation in Colorado Springs to say, it's about the kingdom. It's about souls. It's not about this dominion. Oh, what are they calling dominion? You know what dominionism is? Dominionism is the word now that Christians are using that the devil's worried about because you might take seriously the commandment that Jesus gave you, which is go make disciples of nations. You're called to go make disciples of nations. Now, it's not your call whether, here's the thing, you do it by the power of persuasion. You don't do it with a bullet or a gun. You do it by persuasion. But they don't even want you to do that. They want you to shut up and get back in the coach class while we take over the uh, flight. Well, that's, that's what they hate me for. They call me a dominionist. I never even call myself a dominionist. He's a Christian nationalist. So what exactly is a Christian nationalist anyway? I'm a Christian. Is that, what am I supposed to be, anti-Christian? Uh, I'm a nationalist. What's the alternative? Oh, a globalist. Well, what's a globalist? That means I have no allegiance to my nation, to my country, to its values or its history, to its legacy, its story, or to the God that raised it up. I am a citizen of the world. Well, let's see how that looks. And who's in charge of the world? Davos, the CCP, the vaccination crowd, the pharmaceuticals, and the Chinese Communist Party. Oh, that's a lovely alternative. And by the way, your church is going to shut down. You're doing hate speech. The Bible is no longer relevant. Anytime you lift this up and make this the ultimate authority, you're an enemy of the state. We need to lock you up. You're now, a, you're now what we call an insurrectionist. Then your little boys and girls get labeled and tagged with a little Jewish star, or the equivalent thereof, because they're Christians that aren't submitting to the new world order, which is marching on to utopia, except for the nonconformists. You see what I'm talking about? Now, don't be a border church. And don't let the language the devil's going to throw at you about, they're dominionists. Oh, well, what am I? Uh, What's the alternative to, to, to dominion? Submission? To who? To the devil? No. 
Hey, let's take a moment right here and talk about something. You know, these programs are actually paid for by sponsors. And so the one thing that I always do is try to pick the sponsors that have the greatest value. Those are the ones that I myself believe in. Now, the Birch Gold Group is one of those key sponsors, and I'll tell you why. The economy is the area that I'm the most concerned about in terms of instability in the future. Do you know that right now, China and Russia and India is meeting with Saudi Arabians and South Africans to create an alternative economy, to basically crush the dollar. This is gonna have a massive effect on the stock market, on real estate. It'll be a real shaking. But you don't have to be shaken because there's a way you can protect your retirement, your 401ks, your IRAs, by connecting them in with gold. Gold is unique in history in that it's a place of stored value. In fact, those BRICS nations of Brazil and Russia, India and China, they're going to be backing themselves with, guess what? Gold. So be smart. I want you to go to lancewallet.com forward slash Birch and get a free information kit. Get knowledge, act quickly, don't wait. And they're gonna be able to help you make a great decision on what to do. Remember that information is free with no strings attached. Do it now, lancewallet.com forward slash Birch. Did you enjoy this latest episode? Please remember to share it with your friends because the more knowledge you have, the better equipped you are to navigate the world.